We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place exclusive interviews with players coaches and team executives streaming live and always available on demand stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the odyssey app it's bmaz and beamer now brian mazarowski and joe beamer News Radio 930 WBEN. All right, welcome in to BMAS and Beamer. Brian Mazarowski here with you today. Uh, Joe, you'll hear a little bit later on this morning on WBEN. No, this afternoon on WBEN. I think he's in a little bit later on. So uh, no Joe with me today. Just me. Lucky you. As uh, we're getting ready for the weekend. Uh, pretty nice one at that. But, I, you know, a lot of things. First, before we begin, I do want to uh, kind of go back in time just a little bit because we were talking a lot yesterday about schools and COVID, and then there was an announcement that happened, as uh, many of these do. We do a show, and then right after, there's this uh, major breaking news announcement about uh, letting local school districts kind of uh, make their own decisions, which, uh, you know, in turn is – kind of putting power back in the hands of parents a little bit because it is parents, it is people in the community who determine who is on the school board. Uh, It's that school board who can determine the superintendent and so on and so forth and your leadership in the school district itself. So uh, putting that power in the hands of parents to make decision for their kids and what's best for that. And uh, we talked with Mark Laurie. If you missed that interview, I just uh, tweeted it out at BMAS1, uh, but it's available at WBEN.com in the podcast tab. We got his reaction to what was said in Ontario this week where their chief medical officer said something I think jarred a lot of people, but it is the truth of the situation. He said, I can't really envision or see any closure of any schools in Ontario or colleges, or universities. We have to normalize COVID for our schools and have an approach that's prudent, cautious, but realizes we're going to have a rise in cases. And that is kind of the pushback to the, oh, well, you know, if we don't do this, this, and this in schools, if we don't, um, you know, only have half the kids in, uh, we don't uh, wear masks 100% of the time, we don't have dividers, six feet of distancing, no interaction whatsoever, then, you know, we're going to have a positive case and then everyone's going to have to quarantine, then you'll be out of school. Well, hmm, not necessarily if you make that decision that that's your policy, everyone has to be out of school. But if you kind of look at where the numbers are, you look at the data that's been with us for a year and a half, you look at the picture of kids and COVID, and you look at something like what's happening in Ontario, which I don't think anyone's going to say Ontario or anywhere in Canada is taking COVID lightly over the past year and a half. Uh, They've had some of the longest lockdowns, period, some of the longest school closures, period. 
Uh, but, you know, they're saying, listen, even with cases, we're not going to close down schools. We're going to have to accept that that is going to be the case. And then uh, we talked with Mark Laurie on the importance of data and the importance of getting a little bit further, not just saying, OK, we have X amount of cases and X amount of cases in a school district or X amount of cases here or there. But, you know, it's we have uh, these amount of cases and, you know, a percentage of that are totally asymptomatic and fine. And, and a percentage of that, you know, maybe there's a and this percentage is uh, had to go to Children's Hospital, which we've seen has been a, a rarity over the course of the last year and a half. But it's those kind of things that, uh, you know, going into, you know, a little further than cases and into what do we mean when we say cases? Are we talking runny nose? Are we talking hospitalization? There's a big difference. Uh, And giving parents that information, the need to do so, is going to uh, much better allow parents to assess that risk and get to the point where you normalize COVID in schools like they're talking about in Ontario. So I thought that was interesting. I thought uh, Mark Laurie's response to that was pretty interesting. And you can hear all that on demand at WBEN.com. But uh, moving on today, you know, something that, because of everything going on, does not get a lot of attention here. Uh, And the the president yesterday was talking about EVs, electric vehicles. Uh, I don't think for the first time in his presidency he was talking about this uh, a lot yesterday, though, because he signed an uh, executive order, I believe. Uh, Either way, I mean, the... What he signed, it's non-binding. It doesn't really have a lot of teeth to it. But it shows that the intention is there. That uh, all auto sales um, would be made up, or half of all auto sales, excuse me, by 2030 would be electric, a plug-in hybrid, or hydrogen electric vehicles that was the big unveiling yesterday as he rode around in the uh, new electric jeep or is this the plug-in electric jeep that 4xe i don't know too much about the 4xe rubicon um but i do know that the president typically not allowed to drive and uh, i don't know if i'd want to be next to him. he hasn't driven in a long time I don't want to be next to uh, Joe Biden at the stoplight. That's all I got to say. But the uh, the moves are part of a plan, uh, the administration says, to fight climate change. Uh, I'm more interested in the vehicles themselves, really. And and I'm more interested in what you think about the move to EV and electric vehicles. Because it might seem, you know, way out there, and it kind of... does to a lot of people all right half of u.s sales in less than a decade to be evs or plug-in hybrid or this hydrogen but you know mostly we're talking about electric vehicles but you're seeing them more and more right ford has the f-150 next year that's all electric they'll have they got the mach-e mustang that's out there right now, the hatchback uh, Mustang. There's, of course, all the Teslas that I'm seeing more and more of. I see one at least every day, I feel. Uh, you know, Maybe it's the same one. Uh, but I, I see them on the roads more and more. Chevy has the Bolt that they've been uh, you know, out with for a while. They're working on new electric vehicles as well. Uh, I know Volkswagen has a new electric vehicle out uh, that's out there that they're uh, pushing. Uh, and plenty more. I th- there might be a Hyundai one that I see on the road. I see a Hyundai driving around with no, you know, front uh, airflow vent. Uh, So that might be one, too. But you you are seeing more and more of these, not just uh, Tesla, 
but at dealerships where you're not used to seeing electric vehicles. And so it might not be that crazy to think up uh, think that half of the vehicles for sale nine years from now might be electric because we're seeing so many of them out right now. But I want to know what people think about electric vehicles. And if you are at all interested in making that switch, if you're concerned at all about making that switch. And I, I think, you know, before, I feel like every show has started with a disclaimer, <laughs> you know, uh, of one of the things that we're not that interested in talking about. It's like when we were talking about a stadium earlier this week. It's like, listen, I know the easy take is we don't need a new stadium because that's what I agree with. That's what everyone I know agrees with. So, you know, let's kind of move beyond that and talk about the what ifs. You know, let's assume that's not going to happen. In this one, the easy thing that people like to jump onto when talking about electric vehicles, and of course it's easier here because the reason the president's talking about this is uh, to fight climate change, is the attack on, well... You know, are they really better for the environment? You know, where are you getting the electricity from? And so on and so forth. And listen, I don't want to bore everybody and go into all the details of where exact are you just extending the tailpipe or are you not when it comes to electric vehicles? I, I am going under the assumption that when you're driving around your electric vehicle, you're kind of just moving the pollution somewhere else. Right, it's not coming out of your tailpipe, but whether that's mining the uh, you know materials for the batteries, or whether that's the increase in electricity, it's an estimate twenty five percent increase in electricity nationwide. If everyone were to use an electric vehicle, uh, that that is going to I don't know if it totally offsets any gains you make by getting rid of you know combustion engine and getting rid of the tailpipe as we know it. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, you know, this is the greenest, cleanest uh, thing in the world. And I don't really, I'm not interested right now in finding out the exact answer. So if your take is that, well, you know, are they really eco-friendly? I don't believe so. You know, I I don't know. That's not the argument that I want to (laughs) have today, at least. But what I do want to know if people are interested at all in these electric vehicles and what that would mean for you. If, you know, by 2030, most of the vehicles for sale are electric. And is that going to change the way that you buy cars? I mean, you look at Ford right now and the way they're talking. um, Volkswagen, too. I mean, by 2030, they're kind of looking at almost all their vehicles are going to be electric. I mean, they might completely do away with the uh, normal internal combustion engine as we know it. And that might just be... uh, you know, resigned to cool sports cars or maybe big diesel trucks or something like that or somewhere in between. I I like personally the electric vehicle. I have a little bit of personal experience with this because I, for a month or so now, I've been driving around in a plug-in hybrid vehicle. So that's, it's like half electric, half gas. It's a little bit of both. I honestly don't see why the push is not toward these vehicles because it is, in my mind, the perfect fit for almost everybody, at least who lives here. Because I, generally speaking, I can run on just electricity for most of my driving anywhere. To and from work, a couple days between charges um, with the little battery that's in there. And I can do that no problem. And that's what I love about that. And then if I'm, you know, going out on a road trip, you know, we're in Chautauqua, 
uh, the other weekend. We've taken it out to Rochester. Um, you go anywhere around the state. You don't really have to worry about anything else because it's got the gas engine to back it up, right, if you don't want to use all electricity. And then you're completely fine. you got a gas station right here. You're not searching out some place to go and charge it. You're not doing this or that, right? Uh, you can just take a road trip as normal, and you don't have to worry about it. So that, to me, is like the best of both worlds. And I don't know why those vehicles aren't getting as much attention as the electric vehicles. It seems like we've kind of jumped from, you know, one, what we've had for 100 years, to now all of a sudden it's all electric. And we're, like, skipping this really cool stopgap that I think would fit in to a lot of people's. It would, you know, help if you have a climate concern, you want less emissions on, in your neighborhood. It helps that way, uh, but you don't think the infrastructure is there. I think it helps that way, too. But we seem to be skipping over that, and we're going right to electric. I'll tell you the pros and cons that I found of driving the electric vehicle. One, it's cool, and it's way cooler than anything I've ever had. I drive yet another mom van vehicle. Um, all my cars have always been uh, what has been described to me as chick cars. Right, I go from like a little Civic. I had a Jetta for a while, and now I'm driving like a, a mom vehicle. I've been told at least, but this thing it doesn't act like a mom vehicle. Every now and then, you know, I drive into work. It's like around a little before four, and I there's not too many cars on the road. But you, you know what it's like: a car pulls up next to you. You're the only two ones at the stoplight, and then that car all of a sudden they're inching forward, inching forward, inching forward. They want to beat you off the line for whatever reason. I don't know. There's no one else on the road. Uh, the satisfying feel of driving this car that's like completely silent. You step on the gas, and the thing takes off like a rocket. It is unbelievable. And you leave everyone else in the dust. It's kind of crazy how well they perform, and it is cool to see. And I think once people drive these things, I, I mean, you might look at them as like, oh, you know, electric car, like how people used to look at the Prius. Oh, I don't know about that. You know, I, I like a little more power. I mean, the electric, you can't beat the instant torque, right? I mean, these things have power. I feel like once people drive them for the first time, they kind of feel like, wow, I mean, what have I been missing? I feel like I'm, you know, I should be in Daytona and not on Niagara Falls Boulevard, uh, which also brings up a scary thing. And this is uh, something that I was thinking when I saw Joe Biden driving around this electric Jeep. That I don't know if I want to be next to him. You know, nothing against Joe Biden. And I won't say anything about anyone's, um, you know, gender when it comes to driving. But, I mean, there's certain people out there who are we really going to be comfortable when you're driving a car. Everyone's got a car that goes zero to 60 in four seconds. And it weighs like twice the uh, amount that a car used to weigh. I don't know if that's actually a recipe for success on the roads. You, everyone's got this rocket ship that weighs a, an extra ton, and they're just taking off at stoplights, and half of them are bad drivers to begin with. Not to, you know, right? <laughs> not, not to say that there's that many bad drivers on the road, but I'm going to say half. Half of the people I'm yelling at on a, on a given uh, day, at least in my... <laughs> my opinion. Uh, maybe I'm one of the half that's a bad driver. But I think that's one of the concerns that I have. Seeing Joe Biden, for some reason, seeing him, because he hasn't driven on a road in like 10 years. And, you know, he's I don't want to discriminate, but he's a little bit of an older gentleman behind the wheel of a rocket ship that weighs a ton. I, it's not real. It's not calming on my nerves <laughs> to know that that's going to be right around the corner. 
I don't know. It's it's a little uh, it's a little strange. And then the next question that's brought up, um, you know, when it comes to EVs, it, especially when it's a some sort of federal mandate or federal program, right? As this is, is the interesting economics of the whole thing, right? So. What happens right now? Our gasoline, you go to the pump and you're paying for the fuel, sure, but you're also paying a lot of money in taxes. And you're paying a gas tax that, as far as we've been told, now most of this money may have been used to pay for some football stadium somewhere, but as far as we've been told, the gas tax is meant to help maintain our roads, whether that's a state tax, a federal tax, something in between, that that money goes to filling the potholes, repaving uh, the 290 like what we're seeing right now, and doing all these things. So once people stop filling up at the gas tank because half or more are driving electric, as what the goal is stated here, where do you replace that money? I mean, especially since you're probably giving tax incentives. At least that's what's happening right now. You get about 7500 bucks in a tax incentive. Um, or up to, I should say, an extra thousand or two thousand from the state for buying an electric vehicle. But where is that money going to come from to fix the roads? Well, here is what is maybe part of that infrastructure bill, and what has a lot of people scratching their heads or getting a, a little unnerved by this whole thing. Part of that infrastructure bill is floating the idea of a national mileage fee, right? A national mileage fee. So instead of that gas tax, which I don't think we're doing away with, we're going to add on a fee per mile. There's a national motor vehicle per mile user fee pilot program that could be a part of this trillion-dollar infrastructure bill. That would kind of uh, go the way of, all right, this is now going to be our new fund for fixing the roads. After all, if you're driving heavier cars on the road and you're doing it just as much as everyone else, you should contribute as well, right? Just like everyone is paying to put gas in their car. What do you think about this idea and how that information, right, would come in? Because, no, you're not going to be using the honor system for your mileage fee. Even if you're you're driving an 86 Caprice around, right? You're not going to be using the mileage or the uh, honor system for your mileage when you come time uh, to report it, tax time. No. Transponders in your vehicle to let everyone know exactly how far they've driven. Or maybe it's a plug-in device or a smartphone app where they're tracking your every movement in the car to see exactly how much you're driving on the roads. Interesting. What do you think about that? You can let me know. 803-0930, when we're coming back after the news, a per mileage fee and how all of a sudden does our switch to EV because we're being green turn into a privacy nightmare for so many people? It's 927. You're listening to BMAS and Beamer on WBEN. It's BMAS and Beamer. News Radio 930 WBEN. 
All right, welcome back. Beamaz and Beamer here on WBEN. Uh, a lot of people weighing in on our Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board. We're talking about EVs, the switch to EVs. The president says he wants uh, about half of the vehicles sold, new vehicles sold, to be electric or, you know, plug-in hybrid, which I have myself. I really like it. I, um, you know, I would have a full electric vehicle if it were for uh, weren't for two things. One, I just ran a new power line to my garage uh, a year or so ago. It was a pain. Uh, we went underneath concrete. It was it was not fun, and I'm not about to do that again to upgrade the uh, <laughs> electrical outlet in my garage to be able to charge a car faster. And you know, when you're out on the road, it's just let's say right now it's not practical, at least to me. Um, you know, driving the EV around and then waiting for a charge if you're taking a longer road trip, which I still do from time to time. So I the plug-in, it's the happy medium drive electric to work and back a few uh, days a week in between charges, and then you have the backup engine for whenever you have to do anything like that. So I like it. Um, I, I like the performance. The performance scares me in the hands of about half the drivers out there for these big, heavy cars that go, uh, you know, 0 to 60 in the blink of an eye, and all of a sudden they're uh, into the light pole on the boulevard and Willow Ridge, which I don't want to see happen anytime soon Uh, and then we're talking about the idea of this per mile fee of or a mileage tax that would basically replace the gas tax Uh, well not replace the gas tax would still be there don't you worry but it would add to it where you would have to somehow report your mileage to the government what uh, is kind of being uh, put forth in this infrastructure proposal was that you would establish on an annual basis per mile user fees for motor vehicles, light trucks, medium and heavy duty trucks um, can vary between vehicle types and weight class to reflect the estimated impact on infrastructure. And they want to establish a mechanism to collect motor vehicle per mile user fees. This is on a national level. How has this been done in the past in pilot programs? Well, it could be done through your car. My car is an app. Why does my car need an app? I mean, it's cool sometimes if I actually used it, but it could be done through your car, just the electronics itself. A transponder that you put in your car that beams to wherever, exactly where you're driving. Or a smartphone app. That's been done in the past. Uh, Use a smartphone app that tracks everywhere you drive and then uh, reports that over because they're not going to let you use the honor system on that. Uh, Dan is in Grand Island where you have to deal with your own sort of tax just to go to and from home. Uh, Dan, you're on WBEN. Yeah, thanks. Uh, the, uh, The state knows exactly how many miles you've driven every year, every time you have your car inspected. So once a year from the time, the last time you had your car inspected until your inspection is up a year later, they determine how many miles the car was driven. It's transmitted to the DMV uh, through the inspection program so they know exactly how many miles you've driven your car that year. Which would be a great idea if they did implement that tax to use that information. So why isn't that happening? (laughs) <laughs> when we're talking about this national tax, for some reason that's left out. Uh, maybe it's different in other states than it is here in New York, but we're only talking about tracking your mileage through something you plug into your car 
your vehicle's onboard electronics itself or by, you know, following your phone in, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, uh, they can do it that way, too. But uh, uh, New York State has been doing that for a long time, I mean, as far as, the, you know, the inspections. Uh, some states don't have uh, a state inspection, but uh, uh, I'm sure emissions tests uh, could be determined as far as, uh, you know, some other states might have emissions tests. Or, or they could implement a, uh, a yearly time where you drive in and they take your mileage down. That would be it. All right, Dan, thanks for the call. I, You know, if, if it were that simple and guaranteed to be that simple and something that has already been recorded, I, I think people would have less of a problem with it. It's the idea that <laughs> we're now beaming. And, and this is the thing. It's not just the mileage. I, I mean... You put a transponder. Has that anyone ever done the insurance version of this, right? Where there's insurance companies now will give you a little thing. Hey, plug this into your car. We'll take 10, 20% off of uh, what you pay on, you know, so-and-so uh, insurance. And we are going to track how much you drive, but not just how much you drive. It's what time you're driving. It's where you're driving. It's how hard you're braking. It's how fast you're accelerating. It's, I, I mean very detailed they know more about your driving than you do the person behind the wheel i it's it gets to a level where like come on you know and a lot of people are well you know what difference does it make i you know who cares how much i drive who cares if they know where i drive it's just to work it's just back i i mean at some point the the privacy creep you know, when does it start to, you know, make the hair on the back of your neck stand up? Uh, Apple is out with um, uh, kind of a, a new software that it's very interesting what they're proposing happen uh, coming maybe very soon. Uh, unveiling technology that would be used to detect child abuse, right? Where they would have access, basically to all the photos on your phone, anything uploaded to iCloud as well, and then images that are flagged would be sent to human moderators who would review it, refer to law enforcement if necessary. Now, when you're starting off with things like this, obviously, I think you have tremendous support, and everyone would say, well, if we're stopping child abuse and that's all that we're flagging here, what's the issue? Because... Nobody wants to, you know, uh, help further child abuse. Nobody wants images to go out of child abuse or anything like that. Um, No one wants to help out these criminals. Any way we can catch them is better. Uh, However, are you comfortable with Apple or whoever the company might be Going into your phone, having access to every photo that you take, being able to flag something and have humans on the other end take a look at whatever that is, and then let somebody else know about it. Forward those images, or maybe it's information, or maybe it's something else along to, whether it's the police, whether it's, who knows what, another company? I I mean, the door that this opens, I think, is the question that a lot of people have. And it's the door that it opens on, you know, tracking your mileage through a smartphone app or everyone has to plug something into your car. 
so that we can put the appropriate mileage tax on you that, you know, I I don't know. Doesn't that weird people out, creep you out just a little bit? And if not, I, I, I really can't understand why. I You know, I do appreciate the privacy, which I don't think is a privilege. Um, that, that is a right that you have. Um, and how personal are your personal devices? Hey, Mike is in Depew. You're on WBEM. What's going on? Yeah, you do it. I'd like to uh, convey, uh, share a little vignette, a story um, I used to share with my students, because I think ultimately this is where America is heading, and it relates to, to Europe. And, you know, I'm, I hear people are trying to solicit where these monies that are currently paid in gasoline taxes will be derived from. Well, everything I'm reading indicates they, they simply plan to implement gas, I'm sorry, electric surcharges on your electric bill. So all the 50 states, and sometimes it's broken up into regions, they all intend to add a electric surcharge. And then also bear in mind that of electricity, about 40% comes from burning coal. People think that electric comes from turning turbines from rivers and water. But in reality, about 40% of that comes from burning coal plants to turn those generators. So you're really kind of exacerbating your problem. But so let me share this with you. Um, the last time I was teaching over in Central and Eastern Europe, and I'm talking about areas like uh, Russia, Poland, and Germany. The fuel at that time was $7 a gallon. That was about 15 years ago. Most Europeans couldn't afford that. They backed up their cars with something called LPG, which is liquid propane gas. So they tried to drive around on that. When the gas, propane gas ran out, you flipped the switch and you went to gasoline power, which was $7 a gallon then. And they couldn't really afford it. I rented a vehicle that I took some of my colleagues into Germany, and we took it for the day, and I came back to return the rented vehicle. And I filled up the gas tank to the top, two blocks from where I dropped off my rented vehicle. As I went to depart, a gentleman came out screaming and yelling, and I had to stop, and I couldn't understand what he was saying. What I learned afterwards is he was complaining that when I returned the truck, I cheated him. To which I responded, what the hell are you talking about? I filled it up to the top, two blocks from here. He opened up the side gas door, stuck his finger down the tube, and because he couldn't feel the gas with his fingertip, he felt that ultimately I was cheating him out of his $7 per gallon. So for many of these people in places like Eastern Europe, Central Europe, and I think it's coming to America, the automobile will eventually become a luxury. You can't drive it every day. You can't afford it. But it's something that maybe on a Sunday you took the family out for a ride in the countryside. And remember, in places like, uh, for example, France, the Yellow Vest Movement, that has to do with the fact that these countries put huge gasoline taxes on automobiles. People in the suburbs and the rural areas can't afford to operate them. That's why they're protesting. Whereas the people in the cities tend to be younger people. They don't care because they all ride the subways. And in places like Europe, I can tell you, most people ride the trains and the subways, and the car is just a luxury item. And I think ultimately that's where we're going. Hey, Mike, uh, thanks for the call. Um, you know, to the one point, like I said at the beginning, I'm not, I, if I were ever to get an electric vehicle, the reason would not be to save the environment. Because I don't, you know, listen, I'm not going to take the time to look into if you're really extending the tailpipe. I'm going to assume that the damage you do to the earth mining the materials for the battery uh, and creating the extra electricity 
kind of even itself out with what I'm putting out of my tailpipe. I'm, I'm just going to make that assumption. And I am uh, getting an electric vehicle because it's, it's fun to drive. <laughs> That's, I mean, that would be the reason why. So I, I, I don't really, anytime I hear the environmental argument, I'm, you know, I'm not so much, uh, I'm not all that interested. Now, I think it probably has a good local impact, right? I mean, there's a different, I run, I run around uh, my neighborhood, and you notice the difference when you're running behind a car and you're breathing in some of that exhaust. There's definitely a difference there. So it, it would be nice to have, you know, people motoring around electric throughout the uh, neighborhood. That wouldn't be too bad. Uh, but, I, you know, to some of what you said, the gas tax isn't going anywhere. The gas tax, will it go up? I, you know, maybe this plug-in hybrid vehicle is the way to skirt around that. I don't know what your endpoint was there. <laughs> but I Maybe the plug-in hybrid vehicle is the way around that. To me, it's the perfect median for everybody to be able to go day-to-day um, and do you know what you normally do using electricity and not that much of it and then you have a gas backup car to be able to do this that and the other I don't think that uh, we're nearing that time where it's a luxury I think it might be going the opposite direction I mean you can get a serviceable car for pretty cheap even with the explosion I the explosion in prices over the last year I still um, couldn't sell my car for any more than like a thousand bucks, my old one. I mean, it's a piece of junk, but it still works. You can still get from place to place, and it's still relatively cheap to fill up, um, even with how expensive gas is nowadays. So I don't think we're anywhere near that, uh, what we've seen in Europe, especially given how you have to, how diverse the country is. And that is one thing that I'm hoping is kept in mind here when we're making this shift, right? Um, 50% EVs um, they want sold by nine years from now, by the end of the decade. I hope we are keeping in mind that New York City, even Buffalo, is not the same as Montana, is not the same as the middle of the country, where you're driving long distances in between where you want to go. That range that the battery might have doesn't last you as long. And there's really no place to plug it in in the meantime. And even if you find a place, you got to wait forever to plug it in. So I hope we are keeping that in mind, that there is a little bit of a mix. But I don't think there's anything wrong with the mix. Uh, the thing that I, I you know, take issue with is that when you are putting this in place, which, again, you want half the cars to be electric on the surface, I have no issue with that. I think electric cars are cool. They're great. Uh, but... You are now opening that door to, well, the gas tax, it isn't enough already to pay for all the road uh, infrastructure improvements that we need. But now it's definitely not going to be enough. Now we have to add this mileage tax to everything. And now to add the mileage tax, we're going to have to uh, track everywhere you drive and track your mileage throughout the thing. And no, we're not going to use what they do on an inspection. We're going to use some sort of software. You're going to have to plug something into your car. You're going to have to carry around your cell phone. And I, I'm just, I'm done with, I, I'm so <laughs> over this obsessive tracking of everything you look at on the internet, everything you read, things you're listening to because the phone might be listening to you as well, um, where you're driving, where you're going, this and that, you know, adding. Uh, we've talked about the Easy Pass how many times on the show. Why do you need it? I don't, you know, please explain to me why. What was wrong with giving a dollar? What's wrong with you taking a picture of the license plate as it goes through uh, the thing? Because that's, I, I thought, why shouldn't it all cost the same? 
Why do I need like this extra thing? It all seems so unnecessary. You know, where is the benefit to me, to the general public by doing all these things? There is not. It only benefits the people who are, uh, you know, selling you ads based on the tracking uh, or are getting the tax dollars through the mileage. And it's creeping into other areas of the car. Remember BMW? And they said, they're, uh, I don't know if it was their heated seats or some other feature. Hey, this is going to be on the car, but now you're going to have to pay a subscription service to unlock that feature. So your car is so connected to the internet that, listen, you have the ability to have your seats heated, but it's going to cost you $10 a month or whatever that feature is to unlock that heated seats and the backup camera or whatever else the feature is. Now, there was pushback to that idea, but you really don't think that that's coming back at some point in the future? That, you know, hey, uh, all right, uh, we'll give it a break for a few years, but hey, a few years from now, we're bringing back the feature. There's already, you know, I said my new car is an app. And then if you want to continue with, they advertise it as life-saving services, right? The OnStar the things like that, that, you know, it's an SOS, an emergency connect. They can tell, um, you know, first responders exactly where you are in case of an accident, no matter where you are in the world. You know, it's great. You're helping people out. We're going to maybe save your life only if you give us $10 a month. Come on. (laughs) If I'm lying in a ditch somewhere, you know, all my airbags have gone off. Somebody's alerted to this information. And they're going to be like, yeah, well, he didn't pay last month, so eh, hopefully they find him. Maybe he can reach his cell phone. I don't know. Maybe he's got SOS on his Apple Watch. Something like that will uh, alert someone. Let's hope because uh, nothing I can do about it. But I don't know. The more things like this are coming, the more I uh, – I, I, it's one of those things, right? On the surface, you see the president riding around in an electric Jeep, and I'm thinking, yeah, that's pretty cool. And then uh, all the other things that get attached, right? How big is that infrastructure bill? It's like three Bibles on top of one another. Not the little pocket Bible that you find in the motel drawer. No, no, like the big one that the families used to have that would sit on a coffee table. Three of those stacked up on top of each other. That's how big this bill is. And you kind of see what's behind some of the push, (laughs) right? That's there. EVs, great. Per mile tax with me uh, plugging a thing in my car. I don't know. Hey, I uh, hope everyone has a nice weekend. We'll be back here next week. It'll be a hot one. Uh, enjoy on Monday. Turn on the AC and uh, turn us on at 9 as well. Beam as and Beamer here on WBEN. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.